The following message was recorded at Bethlehem Baptist Church in Minneapolis, Minnesota. More information can be found online at Bethlehem.Church. If you will, please turn in scriptures to Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1, we starting in verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love he predestined us for adoption through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the Beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose, which is set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things to him, things in heaven and things on earth. In him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. May God bless the reading of his word. Let's pray. Sovereign God and Father, this description of your rich and glorious grace to us in Christ is utterly breathtaking. It's breathtaking for those of us who have the spiritual capacities to see and perceive it the eyes to see. And so I ask you that the eyes of our hearts may be open to see your glory in this unspeakably rich description of your grace to us in Christ so that we might worship you as we ought with all our hearts and all our minds and with our whole lives. And I pray this for the glory of your name and for our joy as we live in the lavishness of your grace to us in Christ Jesus, in whose name I pray, amen. In this series called Strengthened by Grace, my aim is that we see all that we are and all that we enjoy and all that we're about, all that we do, all that we hope for rooted in the grace of God to us in Christ. And, and in the first two sermons in the series, my aim was that we would see ourselves continually being strengthened by God's grace, uh, trusting in Christ's work for us on the cross and all that he's done for us and all that we've received already, and uh, that we would be strengthened by grace as we put our hope in God through Christ and all that he promises to do and for us in Christ. So those are the first two sermons. Now, the last three weeks, we've looked at how grace empowers our life together. 
Three topics. Grace empowers our love for one another. Grace empowers how we serve one another. And then last week, grace empowers and shapes how we speak to one another. And my prayer has been and, and, and is that God would continue to give us more and more grace to have a culture of grace uh, here at Bethlehem. And, and there is that, and I'm just praying for more. And lo and behold, it wasn't a few days after my sermon on speaking grace to one another that I didn't speak grace to one of my colleagues. <sighs> and I needed to apologize. You know, Lord, prevent me from being the clog in promoting a grace culture. <laughs> Join me in that prayer, would you? So my title this morning, the worship folder isn't quite right. It's strengthened by grace to worship. Strengthened by grace to worship. And I mean, this is the main thing. Strengthened by grace to worship. I want to get right into Paul's prayer in Ephesians 1. His prayer is a, a prayer of praise, and it begins by blessing God for blessing us. Verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. So right off the bat, you just need to notice that the word blessed is used in two different ways. God is to be blessed, or as the NIV translates that word there, praised. God is to be praised, blessed for what? For blessing us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. And so there's just a tweak on those two words that we bless God, praise Him, give thanks to Him, and love Him. Because He has blessed us, He's given us His grace and mercy and salvation and kindness. He's given us every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Every spiritual blessing. That, that is a staggering phrase. And, and ever since I, I, I preached it back in 19, whatever it was, 93, and that phrase has found its way into my prayers ever since. Father, I praise you that you have blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, <laughs> which I only have a glimpse of. You know, this, the fact that that word spiritual is in there blesses us with every spiritual blessing. That puts to death all kinds of false gospels. And the main one I have in mind is the lie that says, come to God, come to Jesus, give to God, give to Jesus, and he will bless you with every material blessing. That's not what it says. The lies. He will bless you with material luxuries and, and fame and money and good health, even things like a perfect family. You do for God and He'll do this for you. That's total baloney on so many fronts. Spiritual blessings by His grace. Not because we earned it, Oh yes, there is a richness to the grace of God to us in Christ. He's richly and lavishly poured out. 
every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, but don't see that as stuff or easy life or grief-free living. Every spiritual blessing. What, what does that mean? I mean clearly, we're going to answer that as we walk through this, <laughs> this passage. Do you know this sentence in Greek is one sentence? Do you know that? Like, one sentence. <laughs> one sentence. Paul just <laughs> prays. Did you notice the recurring theme? As James read it. I'm going to fly over it real quickly. God chose us in Christ predestined us for adoption through Christ, verse 6, to the praise of his glorious grace. And then, in Christ we've received an inheritance, having been predestined by God who wisely and sovereignly works all things according to his wisdom, so that we, verse 12, might be to the praise of his glorious grace. And in verse 14, God sealed us with His Spirit, guaranteeing our eternal inheritance. Verse 14, to the praise of His glorious grace. You see the theme? To the praise of His glorious grace, to the praise of His glory, to the praise of His glory. God's goal in our salvation is His glory. That's the reason he does all that he does. That's his righteousness. If he were to do anything else, he would be unrighteous. He would be an idolater. God's goal in our salvation is his glory. But more than that, do you see it? The text says more than that three times. To the praise of his glory. To the, that we would be to the praise of his glory. He's pouring out this grace on us to the praise of his glory. Well, that's significant because praise comes from happy people, glad people, blessed people, satisfied people. What is it about the glory of God that results in us praising and worshiping? What is it about his glory that we're praising him for? Verse 6. To the praise of of his glorious grace. So we can say God's goal in our salvation is the glad, happy, satisfied praise of his people, of us who are in Christ because we've been blessed according to the riches of his grace with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Occasionally, we call this Christian hedonism. God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him. It's all over this passage. Now my aim, this is a worship service, right? <laughs> this is a worship service. And my aim is that you worship. Worship God through Christ in this message that would happen right now. Not saying it didn't happen already. I pray and trust it has happened already. 
But my aim is that by seeing the glory of God's grace to us in Christ and tasting his goodness anew this morning, no matter if you've read this passage a hundred times before like I have, that you might humbly and joyfully praise God anew for his glorious and lavish grace to you in Christ. And you'd leave this place renewed to live to the praise of the glory of his grace in all that you do. In your alone times, in your quiet times, in your family time, in your work life, in your small group, and in your Bible study, and in your recreation, and in all of life that you would be to the praise of God's glorious grace anew. So, here's my outline. Five points. I can say it in five words or five very redundant sentences. I'll give you the five words. Uh, Number one, chosen. Number two, predestined. Number three, adopted. Number four, secured. And number five, purposed. I'll put the rest of the sentence on each one now. Number one, chosen to the praise of his glorious grace. Number two, predestined to the praise of his glorious grace. Number three, adopted to the praise of his glorious grace. Number four, secured for our inheritance to the praise of his glorious grace. And number five, purposed to exist to the praise of his glorious grace. So let's take number one. Chosen to the praise of his glorious grace. Verse 4. Even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and blameless. God chose us, namely believers, before the foundation of the world, before anything existed, before we were born. I've had people ask me, what does that word choose really mean there? And it's... It's really simple. It just means choose. It means elect. Uh, it means, oh, here, uh, in, in John 15, Jesus uses the word in talking to his disciples. He says, you did not choose me, but I chose you. In other words, Jesus is saying to his disciples, I chose you, Peter, and Andrew, and John, and James, and the rest, to belong to me. And you chose me because I chose you. The the choosing in our text is is the same word, and, and it has the same sense to it. A particular choosing by God, choosing us individually, personally. This is, this is not a, a blind corporate choosing. It is Peter, John, James, you, me, Kenny. It, it is not based on God's looking off into the future. I used to think this for about maybe a week. The Bible wouldn't let me stay there. It's not, it's not a choosing based on God's foreknowledge that, well, I know Kenny will choose me at a Bible camp, and so I'll choose him. I'll choose him to believe in me. That's not it. The Bible won't permit that. It won't stand. It's not, it's not based on foreknowledge of the fact that we would come to believe eventually. 
but rather the, the, the ground is based decisively on God's doing, and that's the whole point. And if it were otherwise, it wouldn't be grace. Verse 11, he predestined us according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. So, this choosing is based and rooted on God's purposes and his working out his purposes in life and, and, and even in my life. And his purpose was that I would believe and that's why I believe. Because I was chosen. And if you believe in Christ too, you too were chosen. And if you don't believe in Christ right now, I pray that God will give you grace to believe in him. And you know what? It would be evidence that he chose you. How does this cause us to praise? How does this cause us to praise God for his glorious grace? Grace is undeserved favor. Grace is getting the good that you don't deserve. That God chose us before the foundation of the world, before we were born, before we'd done anything, good or bad, clearly makes it obvious we didn't deserve this. We Christians are no better than anyone else. We're not smarter. We're not anything better. We, too, were born in in sin and, and trespasses. In fact, our sinfulness has only proved that we deserve God's judgment and not his grace. So we're, we're totally undeserving of his love and his favor. And that we believe and are saved today is wholly owning to the grace of God. Oh, that we would with great humility feel deep in our hearts and believe this truth and that joyful worship and love and thanksgiving and and hope would well up within us to the praise of God's glorious grace. Point two. That's not all. Point two. Predestined in love to the praise of his glorious grace. Verse four. In love he predestined. To say God predestines means he set a destination for us beforehand. Predestined. The, the destination God is, that God has set for us has been in love. It's not capricious. It's not arbitrary. But it's rooted in his his. Like I said, his, his purposes and his will and in, and in his decisive election. So you might ask, well, what's the destination that, he's, that he has for us? I'm going to go to verse 3, 4, 5, and 11. From verse 3, he's predestined us to receive every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Verse 4 speaks of our destination, that we should be holy and blameless before him. 
In love, he has a destination for us to be in his presence forever, holy and blameless, clean and forgiven and loved. Verse 5, he predestined us for adoption. In a moment, we'll look more closely at that one. And number, verse, verse 11, in him we've obtained an inheritance, having been predestined to the purpose of him who works all things according to his will. And we'll look more closely at that one. He, he has destined us for all of this grace. Now and forever and ever and ever. How does this cause us to praise God for his glorious grace? <laughs> that we are lovingly destined for glory. Destined to enjoy every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, destined to live in God's presence with joy, destined for adoption, destined to inherit everything that belongs to Christ as the firstborn son, which is everything that God has. Destined. Who do you praise for this? But God, oh, that we would with great humility and feel and believe the truth of this text and with joyful worship and love and thanksgiving and hope well up with praise to the glory of God's grace. Not only that, number three, adopted. Adopted to the praise of his glorious grace. Verse four again. In love he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Christ Jesus according to the purpose of his will to the praise of his glorious grace with which he has blessed us in the beloved. Now, let me tell you what I discovered in being an adopting father. I discovered that as a human being created in the image of God, I have a God-given ability to set my love on a person whom I've never met and predestine them to be my child and, and to receive all the love and blessings and benefits and inheritance belonging to such. I didn't know people could do this until it happened. I did it. This explains the loss and grief of miscarriage. No matter the term of the baby. This explains the loss and the grief of disrupted adoptions. Oh my. We, we experienced one ourselves in a small way. Boy, I was involved in one in a big way. Five months having a, an adopted child in this home, in this family, and it was, it broke up. The child went back, left the family. Oh, the tears. Because of love. So it just helps me understand. I get it. God Almighty 
has chosen us and destined us and adopted. He set his love on us personally. You're mine. You belong to me. I'm your father now and forever. It's all yours. Me and everything in the kingdom. How does this cause us to praise God for his glorious grace? How does it not? God has set his love on you and destined you for adoption in Christ. Before you were born, apart from anything you'd done, it's real, it's personal, it's grace, it's undeserved. You belong. And God's adoptive intentions are always accomplished. He's never frustrated. As sure as God is the Father of Christ, He's our Father in grace by the work of Christ. And as surely as Christ is the Son of God, we have been adopted as children of God. Oh, that we would, with great humility, feel and believe this truth. And in joyful worship and love and thanksgiving and hope, well up with praise to God for the glories of his grace. Not only that, number four, secured for our inheritance to the praise of his glory. In verses 11 and 12, Paul speaks first to Jewish believers of being destined to an inheritance in Christ. He says in verse 11, in him, and then he uses the word we, Jewish believers, we have obtained an inheritance. And then verse 12, he says it again, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be for the praise of his glory. The we being Jewish believers like himself. And then in verses 13 and 14, he speaks a word to non-Jewish believers and he uses the word you. Uh, that the Jewish believers that he's writing to in Ephesus and all who will read the letter through the ages, he's, he's assuring them that it's not just Jewish believers that have this inheritance. It's all of us. Verse 13, I'll, I'll show it to you. And in him you, that is Gentile believers, you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance, until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. What's the inheritance? It's, uh, it's all this grace we have received and, and awaits us. It's all the things we've been talking about. Every spiritual blessing, election, holiness, predestination, adoption, redemption, forgiveness, revelation to believe, being secured by God's sovereign will and purposes, destined and secured to live with God forever and ever, rejoicing in the glories of His grace. It's, it's an already and a not yet, this inheritance. This, it's an already and a not yet. If you just look a chapter ahead, Ephesians 2, 4 through 7, 
Let me demonstrate that by the words here. Our inheritance is the past grace that we've already received. Verse 4. But God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us even when we were dead in our trespasses made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. In verse 6. And raised us up with him now and seated us with him now in the heavenly places in Christ. That's happened. The the inheritance in part has already been received. And then verse 7 adds, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For how long? For the coming ages. Forever and ever. And ever, and ever, such is our inheritance of grace through Christ. Verses 13 and 14 point out this, uh, this fact that this inheritance really is ours by the work of the Holy Spirit. We know it's ours by the work of the Holy Spirit. Because the Spirit works as a, a seal and, uh, I'm going to use the word deposit. Let me just show you that. First, our, our destiny, our inheritance is secured by the Spirit as a seal. As a seal. Verse 13. In Him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in Him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. What's a seal? A seal was a, a sign of ownership, like a sign that something belongs to someone. Like, I mean, it's still done with cattle, like a brand. Doesn't sound very pleasant. But a seal, uh, marking uh, something as belonging to another. This text says you were sealed with the Holy Spirit as belonging to, to God and, and a fit uh, son or daughter to receive this inheritance. It also says that the seal is a sign, what's the word here, uh, of, of authenticity, of authenticity. You know, if you got a letter from the king and, and uh, you know, might have had a signature on it, but you know, the, the, the stamp on it, the seal, that little wax thing or whatever it would be made out of, that would be, you'd know it was from the king. You knew it was from the king because it had a seal on it. So it's ownership and authenticity that the Holy Spirit testifies to. And then a seal is also a sign of authority. That, well, the, the king has all his kingly power in on this promise of your inheritance. So the Holy Spirit functions in that way as a, as a seal. But then there's another way. This guarantee, verse 14 The Spirit is the guarantee. Another word you could put there is deposit of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of His glory. The Spirit is like earnest money. The Spirit is like a down payment. It's... We we have the Holy Spirit right now and, and it's a pledge of God's sincerity and commitment to complete the purchase and bring us on into the full inheritance. Uh, 
It's, it's, it's a portion that we have now that the full meal deal is still coming, every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Oh, that with great humility we would feel and believe this truth that, that joyful worship and love and, and thanksgiving and hope would well up within us because we have been secured for our inheritance by the work of the Holy Spirit and the work of Christ to the praise of His glory. Lastly, Number five, purposed to exist to the praise of his glory. Verse 11 adds a seemingly small word, but massively important to our understanding. It's right toward the end of verse 12. And though Paul says it in the context of Jewish believers, I also believe it's true of us, non-Jews, because he's talking about us together. Here it is. It's that we be. That we be to the praise of his glory. That we, that's an existential statement. That's a purpose for living statement. That we would be to the praise of his glory. We would exist for the praise of his glory. That's God's purpose for our life, that we would be to the praise of the glory of his grace. Oh, that we would, with great humility, rest in God's purpose for us and believe this truth and in joyful worship and love and thanksgiving and hope. Praise God for the glory of his grace to us in this aspect that he's given us, this purpose for existing that accords with the purpose for which he does everything, the glory of his grace. Now I said that my aim this morning is <laughs> that we would see the glory of God's grace and taste his goodness anew. That we might humbly and joyfully praise God for the glories of his grace. I hope it's happened. I hope you've seen it. I pray you see it. If you haven't seen it, and if you have seen it, I pray you see it more. And I pray that as we leave, we'll leave with a renewed sense that we be to the praise of God's glorious grace in every sphere of life, in every sphere. Alone, together, family, work, church life, commons life, small group life, Bible study, recreation. Father in heaven, make it be that we live to the praise of your glorious grace in all that we are and all that we do, do for your glory and for our joy now and forever and ever and ever. Father in heaven, make it so. <laughs>
You, you have pulled out all stops to make it so. Pull us in. Overcome our, our sin and resistance and, and distractions and the, overcome the false gospels with the truth of your word. Grant that we would be strong in grace that is in Christ Jesus from this text and from all the grace that you have promised us in Christ now that we've received and have yet to receive forever. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Bethlehem Baptist Church in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Feel free to make copies of this message to give to others, but please do not charge for these copies or alter their content in any way without written permission from Bethlehem Baptist Church. For more information, we invite you to visit us online at Bethlehem.Church or write us at 720 13th Avenue South, Minneapolis, Minnesota, 55415. Bethlehem Baptist Church, spreading a passion for the supremacy of God in all things, for the joy of all peoples, through Jesus Christ.